The Tapper Teacher Training is an annual retreat for homeschooling parents, a live in-person gathering that brings together heart-centered homeschoolers from all over the world for hands-on learning, community, connection, and fun. And I'd love to see you at Taproot 2024. We'll gather August 1st through 4th at a camp in Northeastern Ohio for a long weekend of engaging workshops, hiking and yoga, and personal reflection. Taproot gives everyone a chance to experience and practice singing, painting, and building main lessons in order to foster a deeper understanding of the hands-on, Waldorf-inspired approach. A team of experienced homeschoolers offer guidance rooted in each of their family's life to help bring you more joy to yours. This is our 18th year of offering this amazing experience. You can learn more at artofhomeschooling.com slash taproot2024. You're listening to the Art of Homeschooling podcast, where we help parents cultivate creativity and connection at home. I'm your host, Jean Miller, and here on this podcast, you'll find stories and inspiration to bring you the confidence you need to make homeschooling work for your family. Let's begin. Well, hey there and welcome. You know, I first heard this idea of thinking, feeling, and willing in a description of Waldorf education back in 1993 at a summer teacher workshop. Have you ever heard this term? It's often associated with the Waldorf approach. So this workshop was, it was five days offered by a Waldorf school, but the focus was really on using Waldorf methods or the Waldorf approach in a public school classroom. At the time, it was thought to be a very radical workshop. I was trained as a public school teacher. But after teaching for a few years, I felt so discouraged that I wanted to learn more about alternative approaches, other ways to really awaken that spark and creativity in children and students. So this summer workshop was a wonderful experience for me. I had two young kids at the time, these two little energetic boys, and I was beginning to realize that mainstream education might not be in our future. I remember when the presenter at this summer workshop, I I think his name was Peter. I remember when he described the stages of human development and explained how we learn differently at different ages. And in that moment, something inside of me woke up. I remember realizing or recognizing right then and there that my own education had focused almost exclusively on the thinking aspects of my being, on academics, on head learning, and I feel like I suffered as a result. 
So in this episode, I want to explain this idea of thinking, feeling, and willing, and then share a bit more of how these three aspects of being human have shown up in my life and in my family's life as we've gone on our homeschooling journey. So here we go. At its core, I like to describe thinking, feeling, and willing as ways that we each relate to the world. And as a result, these are ways we learn something, right? The way in which we really learn anything new. It's our, it's kind of like the first way in to addressing a new, a new topic that we're learning about. Thinking, feeling, and willing is really a universal grouping, though. It goes beyond Waldorf, and it can apply to several areas of life. So the three stages of childhood or three steps toward any action we take in the world. Or another way is three views of the world, three ways a person sees the world. We can be thinkers feelers or body-informed people more predominantly, like one is more predominant than another in any individual. It's really embedded in our development, these three aspects, but also they show up in how we interact with the world, how we see the world. This categorization is really everywhere. When I start focusing on thinking, feeling, and willing, I hear it come up in so many different areas of my life. I've heard it in life coaching, the idea that our thoughts create our feelings and then our feelings generate our action. I've heard it in conversations about the Enneagram. Describing how we each relate to the world primarily through one of these lenses. Thinking, feeling, and willing is really an archetypal framework that gives us a window into the world of being human from three fundamental perspectives, three ways of navigating through life. And so as educators, when we want to nurture the whole child, when that is when we have a holistic view of the human being and education, when we want to educate the whole child, this framework or perspective can be really helpful. So these three types of human activities all relate to the body. Thinking relates to the head. Feeling to the rhythmic organs in our torso, such as the heart and lungs, and willing or doing relates to our limbs, our hands and our arms and legs. And here is the most important part of this that I want you to remember. The order of these three activities as we engage with the world around us varies depending on our age or on our stage of development. This is what Rudolf Steiner called the, and this is a quote, this is a phrase he used often, the child's changing consciousness. Children are not really just little adults. They actually see the world differently. They interact with the world in different ways than we do. And when we can weave these these concepts into how we teach children, we can really awaken their capacities in a much fuller and livelier way. 
Here's a description from one of my favorite books on Waldorf education called Understanding Waldorf Education, Teaching from the Inside Out. It's by Jack Petrash. And Petrash says, quote, Understanding that children need to be engaged in these three distinct ways through head, heart, and hands forms the primary educational paradigm at a Waldorf school, or I might add, (laughs) in homeschooling, rather than focus the education work solely around the objective of acquiring knowledge Creating a meaningful learning process itself becomes the focus. Through multifaceted, multisensory learning experiences, teachers and students use a variety of intelligences to develop three distinct capacities for thinking, for feeling, and for intentional, purposeful activity, end quote. Here's how this changes and develops as children grow. I want to describe each of these stages of development. In the early years, really from birth to about age seven, children learn primarily through their will or their limbs, through their activity. They learn by doing. Young children often watch other children or the adults around them doing something and then they themselves try it. Or they hear a story and then they want to set up a little scene and pretend to build the house or cut down the tree or make the soup. So at this stage, the order of the three ways of engaging with the world, the order is willing, feeling, then thinking. Young children first do something, as I described, which generates a feeling, and then the thoughts come about that scenario. They primarily learn through their limbs, their hands, their legs, and they learn by imitating and by doing. When my kids were this age, it took me some time and effort to embrace the idea that making mud pies or playing with our little farm animals or or setting up a play scene was learning. I was trained as a classroom teacher after all. But honestly, I do remember the joy one day when I saw my boys act out the story of the little red hen with their farm set. We had read this story days before and what I observed was the joy they had taking the little wooden animals and going around asking for help and getting a no each time and then eating the fresh bread themselves. They did this over and over again and I had a light bulb moment. I could actually see that the story lived in them, in their beings, in a very real and meaningful way. They needed to do something with anything that they were taking in about the world. All right, next stage. And these are the stages according to Rudolf Steiner, but I'll talk more about other educators who have similar ideas about stages of development. So next up is ages seven to 14, where children learn primarily through their feeling life. When they encounter something new, they first have a feeling about it. The feeling then inspires action, and then they have a thought about it. Or they have a feeling and then a thought, and then that inspires them to take action. And this is why during these years with the Waldorf approach, we incorporate a lot of rhythm 
relating to the heartbeat. And we teach through the lively arts, through story, drawing, painting, and modeling, movement and music, speech and drama, because the arts awaken our heart forces. They really allow us to feel deeply and to relate to others, to care about other people. If you want to hear more about the lively arts, I have a podcast episode on it and I'll link to it in the show notes. I remember when I was in fourth grade, uh, we were assigned an animal to learn about and write, we were asked to write a little report. This is so interesting to me that this is often done in fourth grade in the Waldorf curriculum now too, but I went to public school. So I chose to write about the black bear. And my favorite part of the project was drawing a picture for the cover of the report of a family of black bears. I distinctly remember really wondering, feeling into what it would be like to be that little bear cub in a family of bears, to hibernate, to live on a mountain, to eat berries in the springtime. And I could really feel so much more connection to these bears than any of the research and or writing that I had done. So as children get older, Over the age of 14 and into the adult years, this is the next stage, they learn primarily through their thinking. And this is something we can relate to as adults because we're included in here. These are the years when the head is the predominant force. Teenagers and adults, we like to read and discuss, right? We like to consider, we like to talk about what we're learning. So the order of these fundamental perspectives during this phase of life is thinking, feeling, and then willing. And that's the phrase that we're the most familiar with. We think about something as we learn something new, and then we have a feeling, and then we are likely to take action on it. What I've observed in my own children through comparing their homeschooling to my own elementary or high school years is that this phase of thinking is much more alive and children are much more curious, teenagers much more curious and awakened after we've allowed them to first learn through their will or doing in the early years and then through their heart forces or feeling in the elementary years. I've seen a huge difference in how that plays out among teenagers and their engagement with the curriculum and the lessons in those high school years. One fascinating note here is that there are other prominent educators and educational psychologists who are in alignment with Steiner's ideas on child development. So what I've laid out here is what Rudolf Steiner described to the teachers in the training that he gave before opening the first Waldorf school. He also gave a lot of lectures about education in the broader community, describing how humans develop through the years. So here are some others who had similar ideas. Educational psychologist Jean Piaget, who was born about 35 years after Rudolf Steiner, he was born in 1896, and Piaget talked about four stages of development. 
And they were very similar to Steiner's. Piaget described two stages prior to the age of seven, and they are called sensory motor intelligence and pre-operational thinking. Then there is the concrete operational stage from ages seven through 11. And finally, formal operational learning from ages 11 through adulthood. Piaget described the teacher's role as providing appropriate learning experiences and materials to awaken students' thinking life and laying a foundation for the thinking stage as teenagers. Another educational psychologist, Lev Vygotsky, also born in 1896, he developed a social development theory, which asserts that a child's cognitive development and learning ability are influenced by their social interactions. This is very much in keeping with the Waldorf approach that willing and feeling lay the groundwork for cognitive development. Vygotsky's idea that children learn gradually through interactions with their peers, their parents, and their teachers is very much in line with the Waldorf approach. So here are three wonderful things that Steiner, Piaget, and Vygotsky all agree on and ways that they have each influenced education. So the first is children often learn best by doing, right? They do better engaging with the learning than just hearing about a topic. When children discover something from the, for themselves, which they can often do through experiential learning, they will remember that experience in a deeper, more meaningful way. Two is that the process of learning is as important or even more so than the end result or product of the learning. This is the idea of process over product. And then the third is that children can't really learn something they aren't ready to learn. We've all experienced this before where we try teaching a subject to our children and they just are not getting it at all. And we wait two months and it's a completely different situation. So the stages of child development matter when we consider teaching and learning. So one last thought for you that I want to share. When we consider all of this for homeschooling in particular, I know in a homeschool setting, we're often working with, if we have more than one child, we're often working teaching kiddos of varying ages and stages. And it can be hard when you have children in different stages of development. My assistant, Sarah, when we were talking about developing this episode, she described how a friend of hers commented on this one day. They were having a play date with their little ones, maybe doing a craft or playing a game when her high school son came home and she was able to switch her conversational tone without even thinking, right, to talk with him. Her friend was amazed at how she moved from one child to the other. It seemed effortless and natural to her to do this without distraction or frustration. 
But I will say that that is not the case for all of us. When I had a young one and two older boys, I would sometimes limit my interaction with my older kiddos while I was playing with or reading to my daughter just so I could stay in the little people world for a while. It was hard for me to switch back and forth. But after I spent a little time in the morning, which I usually did first thing, after I spent a little time playing uh, with or sharing a story with my youngest, I could then switch gears and do lessons with the older two. And then throughout the day, that that sort of back and forth became much more natural and I didn't have to think so much about it. But it can be hard when you have a young child under the, particularly a child under the age of seven and then some elementary children and high school children. It can be hard to focus on each of those stages of development separately for each of your children. But it definitely can be done. There are many of us who've gone through the homeschooling journey with kids of those different ages and being aware of this thinking, feeling, willing, these different aspects and ways of engaging with the world, I think can really help you hone in on how to do that in the best way possible. So to wrap up here, I just want to mention that in the end, our goal is balance. And for me, someone who was educated in a mainstream setting that focused mostly on the academics and head learning, for me, bringing this balance and heeding the developmental stages of childhood, as I said, it was not always easy or intuitive. It took me some time to get this. But one of the things that helped was observing my own children and really watching how they engaged with the world and with the learning. Over and over again, I saw how intellectual work too soon is exhausting for children. But by inviting children to start in the early years with willing and then feeling in the middle years and finally thinking in the teen years, this approach allows a child to develop all of these aspects of their being so that their head, heart, and hands are all awakened. Our goal is really to harmonize these three ways of seeing the world, thinking, feeling, and willing. I want to leave you with a beautiful verse by Rudolf Steiner. You spirit of my life, guarding companion, be the goodness of heart in my willing, be human love in my feeling, be the light of truth in my thinking. After all, this is what we really want for our children and for ourselves, isn't it? For goodness, love, and truth to be at the core of both our homeschooling and even ours and our children's experiences of the world. Thanks for tuning in today. Be sure to head over to the show notes for the visuals mentioned here and links I've also brought up. And you can find the show notes at artofhomeschooling.com slash episode 126. That's all for today, my friend. But here's what I want you to remember. Rather than perfection, let's focus on connection. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Art of Homeschooling podcast. 